So you're a fan of Atlanta United. And you heard ATL on Fire has crazy insights to your favorite team. Or maybe you're just here for the crazy. Amar said it? You've got to be kidding me. Nah, I'm here to produce, keep the sanity, and of course, drink wine. Or maybe to hit the buttons. And crank up the crazy. Whatever you're here for, we're going to talk about it all. I'm Dave Cass. I'm Mikey Dobbs. And I'm Carmen Butler. And this is... The ATL on Fire Podcast Show. Welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United football and all things soccer. And uh, as always, I am joined by my co-host Dave Katz and producer Carmen Butler. How is everybody doing this evening? Good. You caught me off guard. I didn't know where we were starting. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Tells you how fired up he is, I'm telling you, Mikey Dobbs is ready. I'm ready to go. Uh, Don't forget the wine and the sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. uh, Oh, first off, I just want to say thanks for uh, all the new subscribers. We are starting to get a lot of subscribers on YouTube. Appreciate that. Lots. It's a good month. And so, yeah, we're starting to spread the word a little bit more, getting some uh, swag and some promotional stuff out there. So if you like the podcast, please tell Look out, Taylor Swift, here we come. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Making Uh, our way up in the social media sphere. If you're watching on YouTube and you don't listen to us on the audio, we're all in all the podcast catchers. If you're listening to us through one of your audio podcast platforms, also, find us over on YouTube. You can see uh, all the action here. Tactical board is always great. So Let's um, say, for example, you're watching on YouTube and you like it, and you're like, hmm, I don't have much time. I would like to listen in the car. Ah, yes. Podcast. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, as always, you have brought us a very nice wine this yes. evening. I believe it's Chilean, if I'm Chilean, not Chilean, yeah, because I was trying to give a little bit of change to Atlanta United by saying, you know, in the old world and wines, the French wineries thought they were all that and a bag of, you know, whatever. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, in South America, meanwhile, they were making great wines. And one of the the French old style wineries in Chile was Casino McCool. makes a very, very rich uh, red uh, wine. And in this case, um, I've been to the the winery. It's just outside of Santiago. Very nice. It is really yummy. Uh, like you said, it's uh, definitely thick. It has a dry aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Carmen, are you enjoying? Uh, enjoying very much. It goes very well with the essence of Chick-fil-A. For my <laughs> but I'm no, sure the winemaker would appreciate it. It's very good. Very good. Well, cool. Also, uh, want to thank our sponsor, Wild Heaven Beer. Two locations, one here in Avondale Estates, one over on the west side. And uh, Do we have the beer pouring anymore? No, we need to get that animation I love that back. thing. Oh, we'll Holy the- cow. Just <laughs> makes me want to drink their beer every time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Wild Heaven oh. offering beers inspired by the tradition of Europe and the innovation of America. Wild Heaven is inspiring the beer of I don't think it needs to do any of that. that. It's just awesome. Just awesome. It's just awesome. My eyes are bad. I was trying to read the ticket. It doesn't need it. Just good. It's awesome. You know, we need to have the, not the, you know, the, um, it's the personal attribute to say, we love it. 
Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it good. Like, we don't need yeah. the, the actual commercial. We can personal, personally attest to the fact that it's great. Yeah. So before we get into the agenda for this evening, we got a new section that I've labeled Carmen's Canards. Mm. A word that I just found out, Canards is like a, a synonym for gossip. And uh, tried to Dear put... Dear podcast listener, Mikey Dobbs has reached the end of the internet. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> <laughs> he really has. But yes, yeah, so my homework um, was to find some little internet gossip about Atlanta United, something. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I'm, what did you find? I, well, I'm horrible at finding internet gossip because apparently That's my not I, true. You know, apparently my algorithm is like cheerleading <laughs> stunts, goalkeeping, yeah. and, <laughs> and just random like dog All right. videos. All right. Um, but the one thing I did want to say, like, soon as it came out that Arujo was going, and what team is he going to? What was it called? Flamingo. 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 Brazil. Going yeah. to Flamingo. His wife, Ms. Former Miss Brazil, mm-hmm. who is. Of course, as Miss Brazil is breathtaking. She doesn't post a lot, but when she does, it's all about her kids, gorgeous kids, and <laughs> cute pictures of her and Arujo like out on the town. Very little soccer. Soon as it came out he was leaving, it was like she was reposting and posting every single thing about him leaving and going to wow. Flamingo. So he yeah. I think she is She's very, ready to go. She is ready she to was go. Part unhappy in Lille. In the she country. came back to Atlanta. Yeah. She's like, Oh, maybe it'll be better and she really just wanted to be back in Brazil. I, oh, I really think right. so. And I think he's ready to go too. Even on his social media, he's posting a lot about his, yeah. the team coming it's, up and watching them and yeah. It seemed like that was always a stepping stone because why would you have left the Champions League? contending team Mm -hmm. unless unless they were pushing him out the door it never made sense that he actually came to atlanta so sometimes you do things for love mikey i know and (laughs) miss brazil she took one for the team is that what you're saying atlanta extra effort i get it and evidently he's a pretty handsome dude i don't i can't judge but he's real good looking i I have to say he's real good looking i just can't get over the short pulling thing i just that's part of his, his, his yeah. cuteness, right? But more people are doing that. I thought yeah. he was like the only weirdo. No, nah, people doing up. that. But yeah. Even in the 90s, you know who used to do that all the time? Maradona. Oh, he used to tuck his, his short shorts into his underwear. So yeah. it really oh, held I up into his tidy whitey. So it like, yeah. And go the, check it out, people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the only other thing is I think I'm actually have an official crush on Papa Giorgio now. No. I know. I think it's for I think real. a lot of people get it. I, I, is I, he married? Do we know? Does he have a lady friend? Or I saw oh, one wow, picture so. on Instagram with a lady friend, but it was okay. it was a while ago. And okay. there was a little kid, could be a nephew, don't know. Okay. But um, the reason I like him is after this last game, you know how everyone's like, on to the next one or something like that. He was like, a draw that feels like a loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will like, kill. I know. Yeah. I like, yes, I scored two goals. Two draw goals like is loss. not enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I love him. Yeah. So uh, let's get into uh, we just lost, or sorry, we just draw. It feels like a loss to, uh, <laughs> to Chicago Freudian Fire. Slip. We're going to recap some of what we, we analyzed in that game. But I think even as part of that analysis and what happened in that game, Dave texted Carmen and I. And he said he's got a moment of clarity. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> a moment of clarity. What does this mean, Carmen? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew. All I know is I'm very excited about yeah. it. <laughs> 
Professor Katz with a moment of clarity, something I'm pretty excited about. So let's jump into this uh, this okay. insight. So it doesn't really pertain necessarily absolutely to the, the Chicago game. It's more of a season-long sort of epiphany. So the thing that was bothering me was we killed Charlotte away at Charlotte 3-1, to one, and then we got killed at home against Charlotte um, three to one and and you know what's the difference right because actually it was turns out you know when you go back it's i think it's exact same starting lineup um and one of the things that i pointed out was that i noticed that one one difference was that at charlotte uh we played with no airplanes and then with at home we played with airplanes so i was like you know and it was confusing me because i thought i remember i gave pineda all this credit i said look he realized the problem in the offseason he corrected it right and we got off to this great start right and then i was like wait a second now we got airplanes coming back again and then i was like so maybe he switched it back and then it was like i couldn't make a difference and i remember i said well, maybe it's due to whoever we're playing, he's deciding on it. Right. So I decided, I'm like, duh. I take notes on these things. I said, I can go back and I can actually ask in every single game whether we were playing with the airplanes or not. So I went back into my notes and I said, all right, when were we playing it? Try, just try to figure out what he was doing. Because as you know, you rightly point out, we're not in the locker room. We don't get to know what the tactics are coming. So I started going through it. And I want to start by saying that once I get to the conclusion of all this, I want to say that I, it's not that I think that airplanes are really everything, right? We're going to talk about pinching in on this one. I think that's a big deal. There are a lot of other things that I think are tactically wrong or, or right with what we're doing. So it's not like everything is, is due to airplanes. But here we go, right? So in the first game, San Jose at home, we played no airplanes. Okay, we won two to one. Toronto at home, we played no airplanes. Charlotte away, we played no airplanes. Portland at home, we played no airplanes. Columbus away, that's this crazy squad that we had, right? But again, no airplanes. In fact, their Cobb came in for miles and we still played it with this. We were doing this unbalanced three. Right where left back Gutman typically stayed back, and the the right of the two center backs, which mostly was Miles Robinson, and in that game Cobb was shifting over. Okay, so um, first five games, Didn't right? That Columbus game, and that's when we got beat five to one. Oh, we got clobbered six to one. Six to one. Right. So uh, coming off that game, we play. I feel like though, Carmen, don't you recall like some airplane talk though early on, earlier on in the season? I thought we did, but it sounds like we were not. No, I was saying, I I was saying that I was giving him credit that we weren't. We were so we weren't playing four in the back. I think you were playing three. I think you were saying, yeah, we adjusted to only one airplane. Yes, what I mean by airplanes is both. Okay. Going okay. simultaneously okay. like we had that. last year and really makes, often yeah. having two at the back. You know what we have airplanes when you see both um, Lennon and Gutman up and when you see only two in the back. Got it. Okay. So Red Bulls comes along and we play at home and suddenly the airplanes are back. We win one nothing. We go to New York City FC and... Also, uh, airplanes, and we tie 1-1. We get Toronto away. We continue to play airplanes. We tie 2-2. Chicago at home, we have airplanes again. We win 2-1. 
Memphis in the uh, yeah. <laughs> tragic um, oh. U.S. Open Cup match. We have super, super airplanes. Yeah. Uh, we lose at home two to one. And then at Nashville, suddenly the way game at Nashville, suddenly no airplanes again. Okay. Okay, so that's the one that started to confuse me. And we lose one nothing. Uh, so we lose, uh, sorry, three to one. Sorry. Then Miami, right? We that's the Joseph Martinez game. We lose two to one. Airplanes are back. So we go, no airplanes at Nashville. We play airplanes at Miami. We play Charlotte at home, airplanes again. Colorado at home, no airplanes. Wow. So you're like, oh my God, what's going on now? But if you look at it, it is now clear what happened. Right. So we started out, we played five consecutive games with no airplanes. So clearly that was a tactical thing that we started out the season. We switched for whatever reason. We have no idea. But for what and some of this, you have to also realize that there were people who got injured or a red card or whatever. The different things happened. But nevertheless, we switched. We played five consecutive games where we did have airplanes. And then coming off of that, we went, uh, we went in the last five games. We said no airplanes, um, airplanes, airplanes, no airplanes. Okay, keeps changing. Okay, so so what I think is that there are three periods. The clarity, the first clarity is that there were three periods. First five games, we were clearly tactically committed to that offset three in the back with no airplanes. Right then, we switched to back to the same exact formation we had last year with two airplanes going down, and now we have finally gone to whatever the reason is, but it's game by game because it's going back and forth. Okay, so I feel like there have been three periods of, of the tactics that Pineda has done one was no airplanes for whatever reason, one back to complete airplanes, and now he's switching game by game. Okay, mm. so that's the first thing I finally. Because I couldn't understand, I couldn't figure it out. But the fact that you had five and then five in a row really tells me that something was actually done, right? That was a switch on the team. So he's doing like an A-B test? Is what you're maybe. saying? Or maybe. Or maybe, maybe he's going, adjusted And something. now he's going multivariate testing? I kinda, if you had to guess, you were like, look, he made a switch. We were doing something. He didn't quite like it. He, he was like, oh, no, I, was back. I want to go back to what I did before I did that. Then it didn't go so well and so then now he's like mm, maybe game by game we'll figure it out but okay so now if you do the analysis seven games we've played airplanes seven games no airplanes going into the chicago match okay all right so seven and seven want to hear the stats yeah yes yep. please okay so one of the things i've been saying is that you know or one of the things pineda has been saying the reason for having airplanes is you go forward, right? And you should score more, right? Because that's the whole point, getting, getting unbalanced getting 2v1, yep. right? So when we play airplanes, in those seven matches, we've scored nine. When we don't play airplanes, we've scored 17. Okay. So you say, hmm. Which seems like that's not actually the truth. When we actually have the airplanes, we're not actually scoring more. In fact, we're scoring significantly less. What about defensively, right? So when we have airplanes and everybody's going forward, you might say we're vulnerable. We've given up 11 goals, Yeah. right? When we have no airplanes, we've given up about 13 goals. It's pretty similar. Yeah. So it doesn't really seem goals for goal against. Now, obviously, not every goal is given up for airplanes or right. not airplanes. But actually, the biggest thing, if you look at the goals for and a goal against, is we're scoring is more that goals. The with airplanes are actually what I've been saying is inhibiting our goals. 
Right. Why? Because it's crowding the yeah. space. Yeah. That actually is the biggest thing. And so the question being, if that's true, if we're scoring significantly fewer goals and we're maybe leaving ourselves vulnerable, why would you bother? Why would you try to do right. that? Right? So now, what's our record? Okay. The record right now is 6-4-4. Four, and four. Yeah, right? but what's the record with airplanes and without airplanes? I don't know. Tell us. So when we have airplanes okay. with everybody bombing forward, okay. two wins, three losses, two ties. Mm -hmm. When we don't have airplanes, four wins, two losses, one tie. So mm -hmm. our record is significantly better without the airplanes. Okay. Now... How, for the listeners, do you feel your, your diagnosis here of truly judging whether we have airplanes or not is, uh -huh. is accurate, right? So I, I imagine listeners like, who is this guy to say whether yeah. we have two guys up or not? Like, yeah. is he this analytical? Is Dave this in tune to whether the airplanes are up or not? Like, that would be my thought if I'm listening to this podcast. Yeah, fair. But I feel fairly really confident i really watch it and yeah, and you know you can it's the thing about it is if it were subtle i would say yeah you know i'm really worried maybe it's you know lennon got up one day and he decided i want to go forward more or whatever it's not subtle right when we are really playing with the airplanes the moment we win the ball they go and they just mm -hmm. don't really stop until they get to the front, right? Yeah. And you end up with many, many attacks where Lennon and Gutman, if they're the two backs, are both penalty, you know, are our penalty area or above yeah, forward. At the edge of the top right? of the 18. Yeah. When we were playing the first five games, um, you couldn't really find that. Not to say there wouldn't be a single yeah. moment and whatever, but, right. and you can consistently, when we're doing airplanes, you can consistently see moments when we have only two in the back. How did you label this last game against Chicago Fire? Airplanes or none? You know, I didn't, uh, I marked it on our, on the notes. Because in my head, I was marking it no airplanes. Definitely airplanes. I, man, I just, I watched Gutman and particularly Ronald Hernandez. Yep. Um, not that Hernandez wasn't up because he had some really good crosses, mm -hmm. but it, it felt fine that he was there. I mean, in fact, there were great crosses, and I think one of them led to a goal. I think Hernandez is naturally further back, so when he plays, it's a little harder to say because he's a little more hesitant. But what I would say is that, you know, when you see Hernandez down a lot, right, yeah. um, and in the case... He was actually forward a fair amount, maybe not as much as Lennon is normally, but yeah. every time he was forward, Lennon was forward too. So you definitely felt Gutman was way up then in this Colorado game. Yeah, in the in the Colorado game. I mean, sorry, in the, the Chicago game. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So every time that Gutman was up, right? Every time Hernandez was up, Gutman was up too. Okay. So which why, is a little crazy. why don't we jump into the Chicago Fire game away, three three draw. Uh, where Atlanta United basically had a man advantage for nearly half the minutes or half the game, right. about 41 minutes uh, advantage <laughs> uh, right. is my calculation. So, you know, we come out of the gates with a goal where we have a, a free kick, I think, uh, on the edge of the box where Miguel Barry, Barry finally gets uh <laughs> gets taken down uh making it's something making a run into the yes. box um, which tells me to go down which so sets, that almada can score sets up a uh, free kick for almada and you know that's what i love about almada versus everybody else whether it's pt martinez or barco 
anybody who's ever taken free kicks for this team. Yep. Count the number of free kicks that Almada has taken that aren't on frame. Yes. And they're few and far between. That few. is what doesn't I love. Doesn't hit the wall. Doesn't, doesn't hit the wall. Doesn't sky it. Yep. Just always is making the keeper do something. That's not easy to do, folks. It is not easy to do. And he's real good. He made the, <laughs> made the keeper go low That's low true. and make a save. It was yep. go, going in the side netting. And it just, was poor goalkeeping, but nevertheless, <laughs> that's the whole point of putting it on frame, right? Because right. sometimes yeah. you don't really do that well, and they give yeah. you a goal. Sure, he may may have uh, needed to handle that or punch it clear. Instead, he push, yep. pushes it wide right into Gutman's path, and he easily slots that in. So easy goal. Um, but I, I want to start here with uh, a little bit of the refereeing in this game because uh, – <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not ready to go on fire yet. Um, but, but no, I. You know, I think um, early on, uh, Almada made a a clear. Or no, it was I think Araujo made a, a clear break through midfield, and someone just did an obvious tug because we were going to have yeah. uh, a really good attacking chance. It was I think Navarro or somebody like that. And I have to say that has been the last few weeks. You've seen it. Not only the attention to Almada. But the number of times he's just been so clearly just grabbed, I was getting frustrated for him. And I feel like this is where MLS refereeing probably played into this. People in the league office are saying to the referees, look, you cannot allow teams to just grab a star player like that over and over. So early on, I'm thinking, yeah, because you don't necessarily want to just give yellow cards freely at the beginning of the game yes that was decisive good yellow card because it was was so obvious so obvious it was just to stop a very advantageous moment in the game for us um and then you you know if you i don't know if it's 10 minutes later you got miguel barry who actually made a a run a lumbering run in the box with (laughs) three if i'd call it a run but yeah yeah. but there was something it really was like watching it it's not that dangerous there's three chicago fire players closing in on it and none of them needed to foul him and in fact they were trying to be somewhat careful let me give you a clue chicago He's not going yeah. to score. He was never going to score. <laughs> and somebody like nicked nicked his his heel, and it was all, it was certainly wasn't malicious. It certainly wasn't um, whatever. And, intentional. And it happened to be the same guy who, a few minutes later had had done yeah. the intentional yellow card. And two guys kind of hit him. He could have given, two, the given it the to the other guy. Could have given it to the other guy. But yeah. this referee decided to make the game about a little bit about himself and saying, yep. I'm going to give a red card two yellows equals a red and make this game lopsided. And to me, that is just poor refereeing Yep. Uh, in general. I, I think I, as an example, again, I think he had to have been, you know, wound up by people talking to him or even himself watching the previous games as the referees do yeah. and saying, look, the people keep grabbing him and I've got to help to put a stop to that. Yeah, it was- Cause it's just a horrible thing for soccer. If you have the best players in your league and every time they get free, guys, guys just take turns grabbing them. Yeah. It's just horrible for the game. I, I totally agree. So yeah, that's where the first one, um, absolutely yellow, but this one, I, you know, I feel like, the ref has to just take a deep breath and, yes. and say, but he was hyped up because of that first grab. Yeah. So mm. it made a bad call. He yeah. should not have sent and, him and off. Look, no. you know, again, because they did that, Chicago put themselves in a bad situation because Barry is making an attacking run into the box, which the ref has to assess that too. I get it. Um, and, but I think the right thing would have been to, yeah, to your point, maybe give the other player the yellow card, 
or just say, hey, that's a foul. Great chance for a free kick, which ended, ended up being a goal anyway. Everything's right in the world. Is the ref allowed to assess that because it's Barry, it's not really a threatening situation? I think <laughs> that. Isn't it attacking? Yeah. Mm. All right. So I, that's, I kid people. I kid. Of course. Put a pin in the fire, but that's, that's where I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. So, uh-huh. so now we are up uh, with a man advantage. Yes. And um, then we, we didn't really talk about the lineup. Yo, go ahead. That's, that's a, this is a good pause. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been, uh, we've mentioned it a little bit and we were probably remiss about not mentioning it more. I have felt like Pineda has not used the squad really at all. I mean, we've been really adamant about Hernandez, but also Abram, you know, where's the moment, you know, for him, where is the occasional start for a Tyler Wolf, right? I've been really advocating that we should do that, you know, in a game where we're playing a terrible team like Chicago. Yeah, they're terrible. Um, and you know, that's a moment where you can sneak another player in, but God bless. You so know, he did that with a Brahm in the back, right? Well, he did it all at once. Yeah. Which is mm. nuts. We are not that good. <laughs> right. So, you know, maybe your man city, you can make six changes, right? You know, their bench is ridiculous, yeah. right? So he decides to rest miles out of the gates and put in a rest Abram miles and see how he's doing. But then he, he decides rests- to rest Yakamaki's. On the other side of the field. Well, Yakamaki's, you maybe say he's not ready for 40, you know, for 90 minutes again. Bullshit. You know, when is he ready? But, <laughs> he looked kind of ready to me. Yeah. But yeah, but you get Barry instead, but there's not it. We just keep going. Well, no, let's just start with Barry. <laughs> <laughs> now, I am done with this. I am done with this. Oh, yes. I thought he did better this Bring time a- around. No, he was. No, he was. <laughs> Absolutely shambolic in this game. I was trying. Are you kidding me? You must have. This is where I have a real problem with, even early on, the MLS commentary. It needs a major upgrade. I'm sorry. The, yeah, fair. The, the analysis fair. that they're doing, they're just. Tell them what they said in that they game. Sa- they said that Miguel Barry does the un. Uh, un, unchampioned the dirty, work. dirty work. The dirty I work. I heard that, and I my head <laughs> was spinning off. Carmen, I thought he. This is the commentating at its worst, right? It They're was like, oh, he's worse. not doing well. We'll just say that he does the dirty work without yeah. actually ever watching ever him. Ever watching? Like, he doesn't do the dirty work at all. It really. Yeah. <laughs> Like he comes in, does the dirty work, and then Papa okay. Giorgio comes As in. As I said, like, I swear to God, I watched him for 10 straight minutes bring just up his by stats, himself. Carmen. Oh, bring up stats. Yeah, it's, have, I got, okay. I've got a card okay. made. No, no, oh, I've got a card it. made up. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, Excuse look at that. Me. The number of tackles? You yeah. have the number of tackles? I don't have number of tackles, like, oh. but there you go. Look at you. So he's had 12 games at yeah. this point. Zero goals, zero assists, zero offside violations, <laughs> two total shots, and none on goal. And yet, these MLS commentators saying he did all the—he's been doing all the dirty work. Are you kidding me? To be fair to them, those stats don't show it because you would say dirty work could be the tackles, the runs off the ball where you never get the ball. But he doesn't do that. Either. He's got one yellow card. He's not. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I mean. I literally watched him. He never pressures the ball, ever. Never pressures the ball. I mean, it was unbelievable watching Yakimakis come in for him, you know, in the previous game against Colorado. And in the first 
you know, 30 seconds, he pressured three guys. I'm like, Yakimakis has been in. I mean, uh, Barry's been in for 50 minutes. He hasn't pressured a single player. You just pressured three in the first 90 seconds. I mean, what dirty work is he doing? That's dirty work. Yeah, guy who scores goals. Exactly. What they should have said is that Yakimakis scores goals and he does the dirty work. The the commentary in the game was embarrassing. I'm sorry. It wasn't good. It was very not good. And they kept saying, you know, how amazing overall, you know, entertaining, full flow, you know, what great soccer it was. The game was horrible. Yeah. It was a really bad. You you have to go back to the early days of the league where there were a lot of three to three games and the games were just terrible. That looked like that. If MLS wants respect then they need to find some commentary that maybe Dave and Mike that actually <laughs> are going to be honest. Like so you, you, you want to polish a turd? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Somebody should put a straight jacket on this guy. <laughs> Whatever. Oh. Okay. They, they need, they, they look, I'm, um, but, that's the but best. But you could see that coming with our starting lineup, right? That's the way we, we didn't finish that thought, but like, the, they had so so Abram plays, Hernandez plays, right? I mean, uh, Barry plays, right? Josetu comes back and plays, right? I mean, it was a uh, we suddenly all these guys who needed you know some time, they all played at once, yeah. Yeah. So and you, we are not good enough to do that. We have good players, and it's not to say that those players are not good off the bench, but they need to be integrated, you know, one-off, give some guy a rest yeah. kind of thing. Not, let's throw in all four or five of the bench players at once. I mean, what? It, I mean, when you have chances to put Ws out there, like, mm. did Miles Robinson really need to rest? Like, what are his minutes? Maybe look that up. But he was on international duty. And I I'm okay if you if you say like, look, Chicago's terrible, and we're gonna rest Miles Robinson. Fine, right? And he, with an injury coming off what he has, I think he should get that kind of rest. Did he, Maybe he did was he even scheduled. Injury? From last year, I mean, he had the whole, he's uh, coming yeah. off the okay. whole Achilles, right? And that can easily get weared out, whatever, fine. So you say, all right, we're going to play Parata, you know, and we're going to play Abram. If you're going to do that, you wait for a moment when everything else is the same, when you still have Goodman at left, when you still have Lennon at right, everything is natural. You make one switch. Right. You make sure that you have Ibarra, let's say, as our you know best defensive midfielder, or maybe Ibarra and Sosa in front of him. You make sure that you have protection. You don't just throw somebody into the fire and say, oh, we're going to change three things and see if it happens, right? Yeah. I mean, some I'm- teams can do that, but we're not that deep. Because I was super excited to see Ronald Hernandez as our right back. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would have rather seen Miles as our other center, Again, center back. for Hernandez for should be getting occasional moments, right? But not necessarily when you're changing four players. Why change? If you're going to change Hernandez and play him at right back, why not have him playing alongside Miles Robinson? Yeah, so he's got... Oh yeah, eleven. Uh, well, over eleven hundred. Eleven hundred minutes. Yeah, it's yeah, a so lot. It's, pretty, it's yeah. Okay, he's got more than I thought. I thought he actually got a little bit of a break when he was on international duty. So, uh, so then yeah, we we didn't ha- don't have Sosa starting again. Why, why not? Crickets. It's crickets. All right. So <laughs> instead, we we have Sosa. And well, really, Abara was the a replacement for Sosa, yep. but we had uh, Jose too. Jose too. We'll get to him at the end. I mean, 
And then Etienne out left. Arizio I have a comment right. about Jose too. You probably don't have a comment, but I do have a comment about Jose too in this game. <laughs> no, so but anyway, the, we have a fully changed lineup, right? So you're like, oh my goodness, you know, there's danger, whatever. But Pineda gets lucky, rolls the dice, and sure enough, right, they get a red card. And not sometimes you get a red card and it takes a long time to break through. They hang on for a long time. Uh-uh. Right. They get a red card and we score off the ensuing free kick, right? So yeah. we're at one man and one goal. So if you're like Pineda, you're like, man, I'm this is the day to, to switch it, right? We could play with, you know, we could play with Cobb, get all the teenagers in there, no problem, fortune, whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. <sighs> but then... Dave is going to show us, we're going to go to the replay here, I think, a, a lot of the same problems, right? Yeah, the bottom line, and, I, and I'm going to show an example of something that we do tactically, but here's the thing, okay? And here's the thing I really want to say about it, right? So after this game, Pineda says, it's really disappointing that we're giving up soft goals. I'm not sure if you guys know, but we are leading the league in the MLS in scoring, number one. Mm -hmm. We are... Mm. 28th out of 29th in goals against. We are basically dead last. And so we're giving, we're scoring a bunch of goals. We're giving up a bunch of goals. So, you know, entertaining for the fans, I yeah. guess. But here's the thing, right? So when you're giving up the most goals in the league, second most, <laughs> one of the things you have to say is, what? Well, why is that the case? And we keep allowing teams to get up the field. He says, okay, we're giving up these soft goals, right? And it's true. These, some of these goals have been soft. But the reason why you give up soft goals is because you allow people to get up the field easily. When you do that and they get across, occasionally someone's going to do something stupid and we're going to give up a soft goal. The way you prevent soft goals is don't let the other team get up the field. Don't give the opportunity for defenders to make mistakes. And so the the absolute definition of this, right, is up a man against the last place team, right? If you are up a man against the last place team, you should not be allowing them to get up the field whatsoever. And we give up two goals, right, when we are up a man they're getting up the field the exact same way they were at the beginning. Up a man, Mikey Dobbs. How is that possible? And if you are coaching the team, you would say, we got a problem. When we're up a man, they should be pinned in the entire time, maybe get an occasional foray or whatever. They're going up and down the whole time. Instead, Dave, if we go to the first goal where Shakiri's bombing with acres of space in front of him down the field... Uh, we, we talking about the highlight or the first goal? The first goal that okay, then we got to skip that. Oh, because we have the highlight. Oh no, the, you're right. The highlight. This the highlight. is they didn't score. They didn't score. They hit the crossbar. Right, you want to do that? I okay, so let's go one. to the first highlight. Right. So we're we're up a man, right? Um, it's the first highlight they have in the package. Right. And what I want to say is, so Shakiri has been allowed to run forty yards with the ball. Right. For those of you who are on the on uh, listening on the podcast, Shakiri has come to sort of towards the top of the box. Gutman has been pinched in the entire time. Okay, and so when they play out wide, right, Chicago gets all day. You can see where we've frozen the clip. He has he's standing right on the edge of the eighteen yard box out wide, right, and he has ten yards in which to get up his head and hit the cross. 
Okay. The other thing you'll notice, Carmen, maybe you can tell us. So Hernandez is on the weak side. Is he marking the guy out wide? He is not. So he is pinched in all the way. And part of it is because I think in this case it's uh, um, Abram, right? No, it's Parata. Parata is playing on the right. So his Parata is not really marking his guy or whatever. But so you're going to see a cross. And it's going to be wide open. Both outside backs are pinched in. So they get a free cross on the right. They get a free shot on the left. Even though both outside backs are back. Right? And they hit the post. Play the clip. The cross. Back post. Right okay, now stop bar. it. Go find the Charlotte goal from uh, last week. Oh, right? We're going to go to the first goal that we give up to Justin Muir on the Charlotte goal. We've got it frozen in the exact same place. So in this case, it came from a very different situation. It was a cross from the other side. We went over it last week on the podcast. Oh, you had it. What happened? I know. I'm just making sure oh. we got it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So we have almost the same crossing position, right? Goodman is still 10 yards away from him. And I want you... Carmen to tell me where is Lennon and how much does that look like Hernandez? It looks a lot like Hernandez, not guarding the far yeah. post. Both fullbacks pinched in. Very much pinched in. So play the clip and see what happens. Westwood. Cross. He jumps just like the other one. Volley. The last one hit the post. This one went in six inches under the post. I mean, those are such carbon copies, right? Two games apart. And the, my point is this. Here's the point, right? Not just that we are giving up the same chances all the time. And that is not us being soft. That's us being tactically stupid, mm. right? And the other thing about it is in that game that we just saw, Pineda comes out and says, we lack urgency, we lack intensity, right? That, and he's talking about that, why we gave up that goal. That was the first goal that broke our back, right? Right. On that one, we would tell you that it's pinching in that was the problem. That's what we talked about last week. Now, one possibility is that it's not tactical, it's not coached or whatever, and it's just us being soft and lacking urgency or whatever and them doing it. In the second clip, two of the back four are different, right? So the first clip, we have Lennon, we have Parata, we have Robinson, and we have Gutman. Right? Mm -hmm. In the second clip, we still have Gutman, but now we have Parata and Abram, and we have Hernandez, Hernandez on the other way. So we switched two of the players, and they are looking exactly the same tactically. So you tell me, so the possibility that we just found four players who absolutely coincidentally happened to do the exact same thing. Nope. I don't think so. It's yeah. either how they are all brought up to play and Pineda <laughs> isn't correcting it, or that's at least how it's being trained during practice. Correct? So once again, in the previous game, I said I could prove to you it was a lack of urgency and intensity because Lennon was actually right on his guy and came running in to do it. Can you now I can kind of prove to you that it's a real tactical thing because now it's Hernandez. He did the exact same thing. So, Carmen, can you go to the Chicago highlights, back it up a little bit to where Shakiri is running running into the open space before we had it paused? Um, just to show, you know, I think what's missed by even people like a myself. A little bit further. The little, you know, people like myself who, you when you're looking at it, you know, my thought was like, I knew uh, 
you know, obviously in this scene right here, Gutman is pinched in too far as again with a man up for whatever reason, uh, Atlanta United is allowing Shakiri, the best player on Chicago, not to be marked up running with acres of space with a guy wide out to his right. right. And I'm like, Dave, I know I noticed that Gutman was pinched in here. Um, isn't he kind of, doesn't he have to kind of wait until the play unfolds to not commit too much of going outside? And Dave says, no, get further out wide earlier so that the other three players who are back can sort out their assignments. Yeah. That is the key insight here for why Gutman should not be pinched. And like, you're like, well, if he goes outside, then Shakira is just going to bomb right into the box. No, what will happen is, is Miles, who are, or whoever it is right behind Gutman, will come out and address Shakiri earlier on because he gives the signal to say, I'm going to go mark the guy running down the flank. You take care of the guy who's running with the ball. And then everything else kind of falls in line like dominoes right. to take uh, the responsibility for the remaining players. That to me is, it's hard to see when it's happening so fast, yeah. but that's what happens when you get this pinch like mentality that's happening. In my view, in the modern game of football, right? You cannot, so once upon a time, every coach would have told you that's a place to be pinched in because the middle is the danger, mm. right? Yep. That's what you heard coaches say all the time. Okay, in the modern game where the ball is super light and you can whip in a ball and a cross or whatever, that is no longer true, right? As you've seen from all these chances, right? They didn't come through the middle, right? And you cannot in the modern game give any player, even a bad team like Chicago, you cannot, anytime you give a winger the time all day to trap the ball, get their head up, have everybody timing a run and cross it, you're basically giving up free kick after free kick after free kick. And it's even worse because you don't have set time to get your defense set, right? And so you get killed on that, yeah. right? Uh, Carmen, I know you're a Manchester United fan, right? Yes. Do you know our defensive record this year? I do not. How did we do defensively oh, this great. year under Ten Hag? Great. Right? And, uh, yeah, absolutely The great. first thing that Ten Hag did... Before he even signed Lissandra Martinez, who helped, obviously, we got rid of McGuire, and everybody's pointing to that. The first thing that he did, right, under the previous two regimes, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and then um, Rang, Rangnick, however you pronounce his name, <laughs> Ralph Rangnick, uh, they had those guys pinching in also. Like this. And we were constantly giving up this cross, mm. right? Soon as Ten Hag came in, he said, you can pinch in a little bit, but you can't be pinched in so far that when they play out there, you can't get there. And in particular, yeah. you cannot give out a 50-yard switch to that ball because if you do that, you cannot press. Mm, got it. Right? Yep. Pineda calls ourselves a pressing team, right? You cannot press if they're pinched in because they have that guy open. And you saw it in the last game where he just aimlessly kicked the ball up the field under a press, right? And they got a goal off of it, yeah, right? And here you're seeing exactly why. You cannot press this. Even and if there was a guy marking Shakiri, it doesn't matter. He's got a guy wide open. And, and the difference is really subtle. That's what I want to point out to the listeners and the watchers here. Like, if Gutman continues to go a little further out, particularly at this, at this moment right here, yeah. It makes all the difference in the world, in my mind, for the rest of the team in the back line to sort it out. Even though we're down a man, right? Like, look at this frame. It's 6v5, if my math is right. Um, so it's not a good situation even to begin with because it's 
we're definitely uh, outnumbered on everybody that's on this side of the field. Yeah, what I would say is at this point where we have it frozen, if Gutman goes out now, I think it's a danger because then then the question is he allows Shakiri to run straight in whatever. The reason why he has to be out there to begin with is so that Abram in this case can be like, okay, if we get a breakdown in the midfield, which has clearly happened here because Shakiri is running with the ball with no space, right? I know I'm the guy to step up. Right. So if he's the guy to step up, now the guys behind him, Parata and Hernandez, can read that and say, we have to mark the guys, even if sometimes it's we have to mark two versus three. Your point is Gutman even earlier should have been out wide. Yes, he should have been out there the whole time. You know, if any of you guys play basketball, right? So once upon a time in basketball, right, everybody collapsed to the middle two. Right. Then they put in a three point line. Right. And the three point line became the most dangerous thing for a while. People didn't get it or whatever. But then now people like even the bad shooters should shoot three point because percentage wise, you don't have to shoot such a high percentage. You get an extra point. Right. So one of the things you'll know is people say stay at home with the shooters. Right. When a guy is driving the middle, instead of pinching in and helping out, you stay at home because if you pinch in, he just kicks it out and that guy buries the three. This is exactly the same case. If you're in the middle, they kick it out and they get a cross in this case, but it's a wide open service and the guys are too good. Right. Even a bad player can find a guy if he has all day to, to serve it. Right. Okay, here's my question about this though. So yeah. let's say these are the tactics that Pineda is saying doing the pinching in. Yes, clearly. Are we just just doing it wrong, though? Like, I feel like even if you tell somebody to pinch, you know that people have to be marked up. You know Parada needs to get the that guy, and in this, which one is this? Chicago. Hernandez needs to go out and get the... They can't can't sort it because Gutman's too far in. Well, not here, but I'm talking... We're talking about the cross when he's... When we... The goal. Or not... Yeah. Yeah, with the... When it hit off the post. Yeah. You know, because in the last two that we showed, I feel like Parada is kind of not. There's a center back not marking up. Right. We've pinched in, and then we leave that person. There's a yeah. there's a center back who's not really, and this is also part of the responsibility. So one of the things he's done. So the only reason to pinch in in the modern game is to say, like, look, if we think Parata or Abram or Miles Robinson needs help, right? But pinching in, then you have a two v one defensively, right? right? It's the same thing that he's talking about overloading it, and I think. I think, to be honest, Pineda is too obsessed with overloading it. Ah. So if you overload it, yeah, you get a 2v1, right? So that prevents somebody from dribbling right through the middle or ticky-tacky going right through the middle, right? The problem is if you overload it and you give that open all the time, it doesn't matter. The cross gets you beat. The other thing that happens, to be quite frank, right, when you do that, your center backs get lazy Mm -hmm. because they always have help and whatever. And so instead of being like, I know I have responsibility. I got this guy. And if somebody scores, it's on me. Right. 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 You know, I mean, this is almost like when, when you mark uh, zonal marking on corners in the box. Right. Nobody's responsible for anything. So nobody goes and do it. Whereas if you're man to man, you sometimes can get into trouble. But you know exactly who's responsible. When people work their butts off, they don't want to be the guy who just loses this guy. Right. So gotcha. what I would say is. You stay at home to a certain degree outside. You take away that outside player and you say, okay, we've got Miles Robinson. We've got Parata. They're big and strong and, and, and decently fast, particularly Miles Robinson. Yeah. They're going to win those battles. And most teams have a single guy. 
playing center. I mean, how many teams are playing two? Right. Right. So in that case, for example, if you go back to the, the, the clip, there is a guy running from midfield. And what you would say is there's a guy who comes into this late, right? And that guy actually, um, that's got to be marked up by the defensive midfield. Right, see that run across diagonal? Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Hit pause on that. We're going to get the, the YouTube audio is going to crush us there. I forgot, oh, I forgot oh. to hit mute. My bad. No, that's my bad. <laughs> um, Sorry. So, what else? This was, this was early on, and then we get the goal. And then just for a halftime, they score against us, even though Correct. they're a man down. The uh, Olympico, right? And everybody is talking about, okay, well, we give up an Olympico, right? And you're like, that's a problem. Is it the goalkeeper's fault? Is it the guy at the front post, et cetera, et cetera? And yes, all of these things are true, right? But you're up a man, Mikey Dobbs. How many corners should the other team have? Yeah. <laughs> Zero. Well, if you get a really good team, I mean, maybe occasionally or whatever, but now we're talking about, we know that they've gotten lots of chances. They've gotten crosses. They've gotten attacking that's ended up in a corner, right? That says to me, it is, you know, so you can now take, you know, diagram it and take it apart and say, we should have done this or that, or whatever. I think to be honest, what we should have done is never give up a corner, not a man up. I mean, and that's what I would say overall, if you want to stop giving up soft goals, don't worry about whether or not you tactically do this or that or whatever in terms of the guy who got beat in the play, you know, that Joseph Martinez yeah. where he ran by us, you know, at Miami, you know, should have marked him, some negation running with him. The bottom line is you cannot let him up the field that easily all the time. You're going to give up soft goals. So That's where it's coming. Not only was it a soft, like, don't give up a corner kick, but as far as Olympicos go, that's maybe the softest of Four. all time. <laughs> yes. There yeah. were literally five Atlanta United players on the near post, including the goalkeeper. So the four defensive. I think one of the, there was one Chicago player who actually ran a good 10 yards past the near post towards the corner where the corner was being taken. And I think Hernandez followed him. Then there was three other Atlanta United players like Parata and, and two other players. Uh, and then the goalkeeper, and it just was a comedy of errors that it was able to go in, frankly. Yeah, and they won't show it on the highlight package, so maybe you can go to the second goal. No, they, they show. Scored. I think they no, should. but I mean, what I was going to say is they don't really show what ended up in the corner. Oh, right, right, right. right got the corner. So if you go to the second goal, I mean, you can show that if you if the Their Olympic Cup. No, that's all right. That's but go to the second goal, and I think you'll say, all right. Um, and if you start it from the very, very beginning of it, Right, there's the goal, right? Yeah. Celebrating. It's a throw-in, and then it, it leads to Shakiri being able to get a free cross because Araujo is not putting any pressure on him. Um, okay. And then you've got uh, Ronald Hernandez, and okay. I think it's uh, – I don't know if it's Miles at this point. No, he's not in the game yet. It's must be right. Parata or Abram. Yeah, now you got it, so you could just play. It was, yeah, right it's Parata and Hernandez on the far far side, both pretty close to their, their guy. Um, but Shakiri has all day to look up yeah. and, and play a probing ball into the box, into Shabilko, right. who does a nice chest down to whoever scores the goal here, the number seven. He just chests it down. Uh, and not a bad goal. You know, basically yeah. Hernandez and Parata are there. Uh, they're not too far off their marks. Um, a ball, good goal. Good. It's a Very good, good goal. that's from my notes. It was like, it's a good goal. 
Um, it wasn't terrible defense. No, um, but this is my, my point here being, so what I was going to say about this goal is good goal, right? Sometimes you're going to give up this goal no matter what. Yeah. But with a man up, how are we giving up them up the field all the time? Right. How are we giving up the previous, yeah. right? The chance that we just saw that they didn't score on, right? How are we giving up the players up? The well, it was field? 11 v 11 on the crossbar wow. one, to be fair. But we were giving up, they were going up the field routinely. Yeah. If you watch that game, you know, we had more possession in the game, but we had more possession and we continue to more have more possession, right? Nothing changed after we went up a man up. Yeah. You know, if, once you go up a man up, it should look decisively that, right. you know, they can't get possession. Yeah. They it can't should get be up. like this rare moment that at, at, yeah. usually happens like later on in the game. And um, what it says is that tactically we're doing nothing that can keep them in their own end, even when you have a man advantage. Yep. So, okay. That was right before halftime. And then Chicago comes out. That was the goal after halftime. That was the second one. Oh, was it? Okay. Yes. So that was just after halftime. Yep. Now it's two to one Chicago. Two to one, a man down. Two goals with a man down against us. I mean, uh, really. Uh, how in the world? The only way you can give up two goals up a man is if you cannot keep people from getting up the field. Yeah. Because otherwise, even a decent team would up a man, they never yeah. get up the field. Right? And then enter Yorgos Yakamakis, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Uh, somebody on our side who just knows how to take over a game. Um, has two great goals and uh you are papa giorgio you papa just Giorg got an upgrade yeah, let's over go to barry let's go to papa giorgio's stats yeah um that's like atlanta and yeah. we get like you're eligible for an upgrade yeah <laughs> love this guy right so here's a guy who's not miguel barry he's yeah. only got 10 games eight goals he's been offside seven times i mean can't miguel barry at least while doing dirty work get offside <laughs> have some offside violations we're crying out loud he is tied for number two in goals in the MLS at eight and has half the minutes that all those other players have. Yeah, so we I was have... just going to say that I was just going to support what you said, right? So he has eight goals in 527 minutes for a goal every 65 minutes. Yep. Whereas Dennis Buranga, who is LAFC's top, he's a leading scorer in the league, he has 10 goals, mm -hmm. but in 919 minutes. So he's scoring a goal just under one a game. Yeah. He's by it's, far the leading goal scorer per game. And so per minute, is, I mean, this is what I want to say too. So this has led me to the, it's pretty clear at this point that, uh, Gonzalo Pineda might have two MVP candidates on his team. Yep. <laughs> huh? So what does huh? that mean? Huh? <laughs> Where's the spoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, but this isn't his team, Dave. He didn't get to build this team. This is a Carlos Bocanegra legacy team built by something Pineda had no influence on. Because mm. some people say, according to our poll, there's like 40% of the people out there who want to give Pineda more runway. Mm. They would not hire Tata Martino back. But it will say okay. 60, well, so 60, 64% of our voters on Twitter said they would bring back Tata Martino hmm. tomorrow. Um, and Well, here's a case. Okay. Because I did another little deep dive. Okay. <laughs> so Pineda, we want, uh, I, I didn't really judge his first, you know, 
season because he took over right in the middle. He really didn't have a chance to do a lot. So the two full seasons that he has been in charge, right? His record overall, right? 25 wins, 25 losses, 16 ties. Yep. Okay, so equal number of wins, equal number of losses. So his winning percentage in 2022 was like 37%. Yeah. And right now in 2023, it's only like 42%, something like that. So look at that. See, you and I are doing math. You, I'm about I'm to say. Unexpected I'm, by me. But, I'm impressed. But right now on average, it's, uh, yeah, it's not good. Really. So his goals for are 105 in that chance, which works out to 1.6 a game. And his goals against are 97, which works out to 1.5 a game. So it's all, we're not getting robbed yeah. by goals, whatever. We deserve exactly that record. We are scoring yeah. exactly what they give up, right? <laughs> and we have a basically, a, you know, every game we win, we lose one, right? So, and I want to say also, we were talking about the away record, right? So the away <laughs> record, ooh, in his first full season in charge, we were two wins, uh, five ties, and 10 losses on the road. Only two wins and 10 losses, and so far in the second season, we have only one win on the road and three ties and three losses. So combined, his record on the road is three wins, eight ties, and 13 losses. So we've been atrocious on the road. Yep. We've been obviously much, in order to make that even, we've been much better on the home, but right. that already says there's something problem. Now, you want to know Tata's record? Tell me. So Tata's record. So again, Pineda's 25 wins, 25 losses, 16 ties, right? Tata's record, keeping in mind, he coached the very first game that we played ever, right, in the league. 40 wins, 17 ties, 17 losses, okay? So it's way, way way better right it's right. 23 wins yeah. more than the losses he has whereas so why, we're tied. Would, why wouldn't you take that guy back and the goals for 149 for and only 86 against right so that's a goal differential of uh let's see it's basically uh 65 plus 65 whereas in a very similar number of games uh pineda is plus eight <laughs> right so uh you know okay what about DeBoer? but tata was successful because he helped build the team coaches after him have had not really had the opportunity gonzo does now okay okay and we should let the play that play out seeing good signs especially in scoring okay we said we have a good scoring record there are problems they're solvable but not by switching managers what do you have to say to that what about DeBoer? so DeBoer. You want to know DeBoer's record? So DeBoer's record, 31 wins, uh-huh. 19 losses, 5 ties. So he Pretty also good. has 12, 13 more wins, 12, 12 more wins than he has losses. And the goals for, and again, a similar kind of number of matches, 91 for and 66 against, right? So that's uh, a plus 25. Right, compared to Pineda, who is plus eight. Right? Uh-huh. So, all just, just, 
I mean, obviously they're different teams. We've changed certain things, blah, blah, blah. But I would argue that actually DeBoer had us, um, you know, his first season DeBoer had, I think, probably the worst Atlanta United team we've ever yeah. had right after the championship when we couldn't keep anybody. Yeah, he came in mid midstream, if you ever going to yeah. say midstream, and had to deal with the cards that were dealt uh, and got us kind of one goal away from going back to MLS Cup. Yep. A coach who was highly scrutinized for his run in England yeah. uh, and, and Europe before he came over here. But before that, had a winning resume at Ajax. And you might say, all right, well, we have a throwaway season where he didn't have all this and blah, 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 blah. And we're in, you know, fourth place. Okay, great, whatever. Goals for 28. Goals against 24. So it's a plus four. (laughs) If you average what Tata has had in those good years, right, he was... What did we say? It was plus almost 65. So he was plus 30 something on the season. Mm-hmm. Beneda would have to have some kind of second half to get yeah. there. Right. Uh, even DeBoer, right. Who's um, plus 25. That's yeah. even 12 per season or whatever. He'd still have to go a long way to get there. Right. So, so back- even in our good year, fourth place year. So back to the Chicago game in, in our air airplanes. Okay. Uh, Hernandez was up in the 54th minute. He had a couple good crosses, 53rd, uh, a good cross. And then the 54th, he crosses it over. Gutman head, heads it back into the center, and uh, the Greek just taps it in. Okay? So, um, yeah. Almada also, he's just pure class. In the 70, <laughs> 75th minute, just the perfect timing slots the ball into the Greek for uh, another goal. And that's where we're up three to two with Jorgis Yakamakis uh, making it happen, right? So you're like, whew, after all that craziness, yeah. right? Like, yep. we're back up. Yep. Back up, Dave. Still up in yep. this game. <laughs> um, and I, again, one of my notes here is just like, yeah, maybe Hernandez was even being instructed to be an airplane. But overall, big fan of Hernandez's defense in this game. What minute was it when when Yakamaki scored the second one? Seventy fifth. Yeah, seventieth minute. So I w- I was pointing out seventy fourth minute prior to that. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, seventy sixth minute. Sorry, just after he scores. Right, it's ten v ten. Right. When did we go yeah. to ten v ten? Weren't right? we? Weren't we up? We were up. Anyway, it doesn't matter whether we were 10 to be up. We were up or man or whatever. But, like, (laughs) we finally get the lead. We're up three to two, right? And Josetu is sprinting 40 yards to try and block the Chicago goalkeeper from kicking it up the field as the center midfielder. Right? If you've been, you just gave up two goals when you were upper man. You finally clawed it back. You're at 3 2. If you're the center midfielder, Mikey Dobbs, where should you be? Back. At home. Yes. Right. At home. You don't need to chase the goalkeeper and give them a chance to have an open guy in the middle. There is no way when you're up three to two that you as a center midfielder should be trying to block the goalkeeper from kicking it up the field. He sprinted 40 yards like a striker might. Right. Right. To try and block the goalkeeper from kicking it up or to force him to play faster or whatever. Why? Yeah. 
All right. So I sorry. I want to rewind a little bit here. So <laughs> in the sixty first minute, okay. okay, we're still up a man. Yep. We sub in Miles for Parata and Chol for Etienne. Yep. What do you think of those subs? I was screaming at the television. You're up a man. How do you, if you're going to rest Miles, why do you bring him in the game? Don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So, okay. But a few minutes later, we slot in that, that goal that I just mentioned to, to Yakamakis. So now we're up three to two. Yep. But only a few minutes later, Dave, the referee decides to just say, I'm going to, I'm going to make things even here. Mm-hmm. Let's make it Which, you know, if you've ever obviously out there, if you played a soccer game, right? You know, the moment a ref gives a red card to one team, you should be on alert because they're always looking to equalize it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So any little thing, you're going to get it. Now, this, that being said, I don't think that it's a being red said, card, but this is the most ridiculous. Like, I mean, wow. Wow. Second yellow to create a red card. Talk about make the game about you referee. Right. Go ahead and hit the fire button because that is ridiculous. (laughs) And this is what I want to point out. The commentators lied. Uh Uh-oh. Whoa. They're liars. Strong word. They are because I I watched the play over and over again. They said Araujo pulled him twice. And if you have any, you know, ability to analyze the game, there was – Maybe one pull, and by a pull, I mean like he put his hand on his hip for a second, right? And it definitely wasn't a pull, like nothing like earlier on no. when Arauja got tugged down, right. like we were talking about. Right. We're talking about uh, two no, hands around his waist. No, this is the first one. Oh, but when Arauja got yeah, pulled out yeah, too, yeah. yeah. We're talking oh, apples and yep. oranges right. here. Right. Apples and oranges. Yep. And this guy yep. decides not only because a few minutes earlier. Araujo went into a slide tackle with another yep. uh, uh, Chicago Fire player. Yep. And bo- borderline, borderline. Neither one of them. Both of them were being reckless. To be yep. honest. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would have been fine if there's no call at all and no yellows any any which way. Right. It was kind of a soft yellow on that one. So he gives a pretty soft yellow on that one because bo- he's pulling out of the tackle. It was nothing malicious, and the Chicago guy was kind of late too. He ha- he kind of luckily kind of got there a second before. And just hammed it up. And then this referee decides to give this moment, which wasn't a clear attacking play either. We had people back. Like it was yep. much further up oh, the yeah, field. Okay. It was, yep. it was, I mean, grotesque. And the fact that the commentators chose to defend it yet again, just it, it is not good for MLS soccer, Dave. It's not yeah. good for what you want to be quality analysis to say, wait a second, mm-hmm. that is probably not a good call. Yep. And at least say maybe that's a makeup. Like say something. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Is. A good commentator would say, look, that was coming and you, and you have to be careful, but that is clearly a so clearly a makeup. But right? boy, oh boy. And they actually Didn't deserve it. Credit goes to, to the MLS broadcast because they at least showed a replay of it where I could actually that, an- yeah. analyze it. So, True. okay, was able to see the play. And now I know for certain <laughs> that was not a yellow card. Right. In fact, I don't even know if it was a foul, Dave. I don't even know if it was a foul, to be honest with you. When I went back and watched, okay, maybe it's a foul. I think it's but a it's very, sh- very light foul. I'm okay with it wow. being a foul. But, but yeah, wow, a, a yellow card, card to, yeah. to, to be a red card? You've got to be kidding me. He's heating up. <laughs> He's on fire. 
Have we ever had three in one podcast? I, That's amazing. I, um, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I mean, listeners, if you don't believe me, go back and watch it. Like, I just go back and watch it. It's, it's really bad MLS refereeing, right? Because... You know, we think about this, you know, you think about the, the red card makeup coming to equalize the sides. Like, you think about that, like, in youth soccer, the really bad referees, right? right. A really good referee shouldn't be looking to equalize the game, right? I mean, it may be an acknowledgement of how bad he thought, you know, he went in at halftime, he looked at that and was like, oh, yeah. I shouldn't have done that. Right. Um, but... Um, yeah, I think he overreacted to give the red card to Chicago when it shouldn't have been. And then maybe he's trying, but now you're just compiling mistake on mistake, yeah. right? And so I think, to be honest, if I'm the, the MLS, you know, committee looking at referees, like he has to be taken off the field for a while. That is a shambolic job of refereeing both cards. I mean, both ways yeah. were terrible. Okay. So this game progresses. We're still up three to two. We are now. I want to say when we went up three to two. Right, so Yakamaki scores on a perfectly timed run, uh-huh. right? And they originally called it offside, and then VAR overruled it. Yeah. And God bless, where's our freaking line? <laughs> I mean, I did you see on the on, on the replay? They don't have a line. Yeah. They don't, right? have, they a don't have a line, and they, it's clear. It is absolutely clear. Not only do they not have a line for us, there's no line for the referee yeah. either. It's so just- the referee is using VAR. And he had to go over and look at it. And he's just there a, should I, never, ever, ever, right. ever, ever, ever be a VAR decision for an offside where he has to go back and look at it, unless there's some question about who it came off of and yeah. the crazy thing. But in terms of just Timing whether he was like, there yeah. on the line, yeah, he's either off or he's not. You've said this since the day one. Credit to Mikey Dobbs, right? Everybody should listen to him. How do we not have technology that calls that? Why is a human being looking? And the only reason why he called it back on is because Chicago happened to cut the grass where you could see the line right across. Yeah. And, you know, uh, in the spirit of things, I think he made the right call. Was he look, made the right call, looked but like come it was, on. Looked like it was dead even, right? So, yes. You know, but well, the commentators thought he was off. According to at first, remember at first, yeah, they, they said, looked at the line of the and grass. then they kind of changed. Well, yeah. well, you, you know what I think of the commentators in this game? <laughs> they were because it it did yeah. sure, and especially in real time, it looked like he was off by like five yards. It did the way it just trained. It just was like bam, bam, right. time run, great time run. But wait, I mean, come on, league. Right. Come on, MLS. So what's more? Give us a freaking computer. So that was the. So we have you know. Chat GPT, we have some of the best technology. And Microsoft used to talk about how give a Georgia Tech student, you know, an afternoon, he could get that right. Right? I mean, he or she could get that right. But, I mean, God bless. How do we not have a computer making that call? I don't know. I don't understand. Still don't understand. No one knows. Even if we don't have a line that they're going to be honest with us about, the referee should have a line. It speeds it up. It takes the emotion out. Just like it it is what it is. Mikey Dobbs, remind us, how long has the Premier League and all the other European leagues had a computer making that call? I want to say a good four to five years, right? And how much did he have in, in, in the World Cup? They had technology that was doing it in real time. Yeah. That's that's the technology that all the big leagues yeah. use. Is the guitar. They're trying to get it yeah. faster. But even when they didn't have it fast, there's still a line and, you know, now in in the prem they've been really good because they actually say all right they show it on, yeah. actually on the screen on the in the stadium they say uh, and it shows the thing right. and you're like <laughs> Ooh. you know you can't argue with it 
You so, want to argue with yeah. it. You've had, you know, 12 beers if you're the average Premier League fan and you want to argue <laughs> with it, but you're like, ah, the line. Damn yeah. line. I can't beat the computer. So we, we're up now three to two, Dave. Yeah. 75th minute. Sorry, I digress. There's <laughs> 15 and some change left in this game, right? So yeah. I don't mind for the next five minutes or so playing on the front foot, trying to play the, the soccer that you play. But then yeah. you, you have a couple chances. And in fact, the 84th minute... There was you don't a Rod Hosetu trying to block the goalkeeper yeah. from kicking it. There was a really good chance where Almada uh, hits the the sidebar, uh, the the upright, yep, a, a little little layoff, the post, unlucky, right? Like what a yep. what a beautiful chance. Yep. Okay, slammed it into the bottom of. the And post. at this point, I'm thinking, okay, not going to happen. Okay, you're on the front foot, try to get your goal. Yep. We're up three to two on the road. Yep. What do you do at that point? How do you, how do you position your team? Do you still go what, park what you, the bus? <laughs> well, you know, park the bus. Look, he's got bus. to say oh, nothing. Right. <laughs> say park the bus. I'm like, okay, at that point, at some point, like in those last minutes, you got to start really parking the bus. But here's the thing. We cannot, so we have given up the most goals in the last five minutes, I believe, of any MLS team. And, you know, when that happens, you know, one time giving up a late goal, right, means that, okay, you know, it can be fluky, whatever. You consistently giving up late goals. It either means, A, you are wearing down because you mm -hmm. don't have enough possession. We've typically had more possession, so that doesn't really seem to be the case. Or you cannot stop people from getting up the field and you're giving up the chances. So we let them come back and tie. And I don't know if this is in your notes, Dave, but I have Hernandez pinched in yet again. Yes. In the, oh. Yes. In the yes. And yes. Minute. Tactically, we're Why shambolic. are you making soccer miserable for me to watch? Yeah. I'm mis it's I am miserable to be so around. So simple. Particularly when you're you're trying to kill off a game and you now have the defensive midfielder sitting, whatever, right? Um, get and mark a guy and stay on him. Don't make anything easy. And, you know... What he has is they still do it. They Sometimes he has gone to three in the back in the last five minutes. He's like, look, wait a second. Pineda over here, he might be arguing. I do park the bus. I've gone to three center backs. It doesn't matter. If you have three center backs and your outside backs are pinching in, all they're doing is holding hands like Red Rover, and they're still wide open. Dave, I the last, the, in that sequence... Watch Ronald yes. Hernandez. Watch Ronald Hernandez accordion. Should we play it in and out? Can we? I, find no, it? we don't even need to do it. We've already showed it. Like, because I don't <laughs> the know last the last equalizer. No one wants to believe us. Don't even show them. They need to go do their own homework. <laughs> don't even show it. No, show it, Carmen. Show it. I feel like Mikey Dobbs can't take All it. Right. I can't it because I watched it like seven times. <laughs> and watching Ronald Hernandez be. What was clearly instructed to go in and out, and it's the whole buildup before this. There was like three chances where they recycled it, go. and Just it kept going there, in and out. Oh. <laughs> it's the end of the last. Clip. Yeah, look so, at Hernandez. Look at him right there. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Wait, wait, oh, it's stop. Stop. Yeah, like I said, we missed it. Go back. Wait, wait, wait. Y'all, y'all gotta be off my name. Oh Christ, Carmen, get it together. I'm trying. Here we go. Am I sharing the right screen? No one knows. I don't even know. No, you had to stop it five seconds earlier. Okay, five seconds earlier. Whatever, a couple seconds earlier. I was listening to y'all, and all of a sudden, it's highlights. Okay, one more second earlier. One more second. Because he's even further in before. Yeah. 
It's a big. Okay, it's, just play it and okay. stop it when as soon as they okay. switch the angle. Ready? Now this. Yes, that's yes, all yes, stop. So this right is there. it. Look at him. So if you watch it right now, right, Hernandez, as you saw, there's as, a guy out wide. He walking closer to that guy. Did you see that guy right in the last second? He was walking closer to that. <laughs> oh, and, it, <laughs> and you would think, okay, that must be that must be the open guy, right? That must right. be the extra guy, right? Right. Uh uh-uh, uh they yeah. got a wide guy out there. Yeah. Okay, play it and then stop it again as soon as we see it. Oh, stop it. <sighs> this. Is the problem that Dave has tortured me into? This is it, and I was screaming like as I watched this. I, I what the actual <laughs> heck? And what I, the f? Come and, on! And I think it recycles back out. If you just play this again, I don't even think he crosses it here. He's like, it's too easy. It's too easy. I think it actually. No, he crosses. Oh, he does cross it. Yeah. <laughs> he crossed it. Yeah, he did cross it. Uh, and uh, everybody gonna blame all of that. Right, you know, and yeah, of course you can market it, but anytime you allow people to have all day and pump in a good cross into the box, these are professional players, people. Yeah, they're gonna put it on a dime. Pineda, a professional player, when given time out wide, is a very dangerous thing. Even a Chicago professional player who is not that good of a professional. But Dave, player. that's the player's fault. No, that's the player's fault. <laughs> Hernandez needed more intensity, urgency. He needed more intensity and urgency, didn't he? Once again, he was running in to hold uh, Parada's hand. And and if you if you you really want to go and watch the replay, Hernandez accordion three times, Dave. <laughs> before that. And it just shows. And when the accordion, that actually proves it, right? Because so if your natural instinct is whatever, then you would make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that he's in and out, right? He's like, I got to go cover him because he's open. But then the coach wants me in, so I got to go back in, right? Because normally if your instinct is to go out there and you go out and cover him, you would go out there and you'd stay out there. right? And the moment of clarity for me is what you've taught me through this, Dave, and I don't like ever saying that you've taught me anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm but sorry. even even me like saying the Gutman thing is like he's got to be out there earlier. Yeah. It sorts out the rest of the team it sorts and their out assignments. The other team. Yeah. That's that's the And insight. you have to trust the players. I mean Nashville is the king of this, right? So Nashville who has a really good defensive record in the MLS, right? Is they have not just Walker Zimmerman, but they get up the field. They challenge everything at midfield, right? Occasionally, Nashville gives up. When they give up a goal, it's occasionally a horrible goal where they're really up, t- up front yeah. and they give up like a breakaway. And they're willing to do that because the 65 other times they recycle the yeah. ball and give you a, you know, a chance. They have the outside guys covered. They have the two center guys battling, yeah. right? And they're like... You know, we might lose a battle, but at least we had a battle. Yeah. Right? At least and we made it hard for you. And that's just it. So if you fix this problem we've identified, yep. then if the player who has got the clear assignment of who they're up against makes a mistake, and they all make right. mistakes, right. Like, then you're like, okay, well, the player made a mistake. Yes. And it may be a horrific mistake. It may be a yes. forgivable mistake, but at least you know where the accountability is. And players is. are okay with that. What players get yeah. frustrated about is nobody gets beat. Right? In all these goals that we're talking about where they play it out wide, nobody got beat. Right? right? Hernandez didn't get beat on that play. Goodman didn't get beat on the earlier yeah. one. They just get a chance to cross it because they're standing in no man's land. If you're Gutman and you're Hernandez, it's like going into a prize fight, a, a boxing match, 
right? With one hand tied behind your back, mm-hmm. right? They literally, the coaches are saying to you, our center backs are not good enough. You got to go hold their hands and we won't let you go out there and make plays and actually win the ball, right? Because we are too worried about the center. So don't, you know, whatever. And then they just, nobody gets beat. And if you're freaking Parada and you're Miles Robinson, like someone freaking get out and stop a cross. Right. Right. Because we cannot give other teams the ability to free cross all the time. It leads to goals. There's a reason why we're 20 at the 29th. Okay. So I think that's everything we have to say about Atlanta United at this point. Play the Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. <laughs> we need the good Go, vibes. We need the good vibes. The fun one. I need to be in a better mood. I and like that, we're free. We did this. We've podcast. done it. We figured it out, and we're 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 free. We're not gonna we're not yeah. gonna critique anymore. That's yeah. that's it, right? That's that's, it. that's no more. Critique. That's it, you know. Um, <laughs> but that's the problem. It is. So on to new pastures. Uh, well, first off, who do we have next uh, in in? Orlando. I don't have that in the agenda. Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. Okay. Disney World. Our pesky neighbors. Mickey Mouse. Okay. Do we win that game? They're a better team than Miami. Much mm. better team than Miami. Much better coach team. Much better team. So. So no is what you're saying. We're, <laughs> we're on the road. I think we're going to win because we're going to have Almada and obviously. Well, George first Yakimakis of all, you have to tell start. us whether or not Yakimakis is 45 minutes fit or 90 minutes yeah. fit. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll and say. And here's the thing we talked about earlier, right? So if he is, quote, unquote, 45 minutes fit or whatever the hell he is, right? So why not start him in the game? Even if you plan to take him off at midfield, that's normally a terrible tactic if you have three subs because now you've only got two subs in the key matters. We've got five subs. We do not even have five players who can influence the game off the bench, right? So why not go on the front foot? Everybody knows in MLS, our record when we concede first is atrocious. I mean, under Pineda, it's like like we've never come back and win like once or something, right? So... Why not take your best players on and try to go get a lead? On the road, yeah. 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 So if he's 45 minutes fit, go start him, get on the front foot. And then you, the other thing about when you do that. Because there's no plan. Well, when you do that, the other thing is you say, all right, so let's say the trainer comes to see you and say he's 45 minute fit or whatever. You say, all right, we start him. And let's say it doesn't go well. Let's say we're either tied or let's say we're even down a goal, right? You can say a halftime. Right? You know what, Yakamakis? Can you give me with a rest another 10 minutes? We're never going to push you beyond the 55. Right. Yeah. But that way, you have a chance to say, all right, he can go 45, he can play 55 or maybe 60. Yeah. If you bring him on at, at the, the 55th or yeah. 60th minute, there's no, the game's over. You can't yeah. extend it. Right. Right. So you have more flexibility. And with five subs, you got to think outside the box. There's no longer this, you know, when you only had three subs, you couldn't do it. Or at least it was yeah. really hard to do. But five subs, you have a lot more flexibility, right? This is a new game. You got to think differently. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that rule, but that's the rule. Right. So do we win against Orlando? Carmen? Uh, I say 1-1. One, one. That seems like a pretty good bet. Dave, what do you got? Got, let's see right here. You're going to go to your notes. You can't even just think think no, real no. time. No, no. 
Pinedas record on the road. Okay. Three wins, eight ties, 13 <laughs> losses. So who is predicting a win? Ooh. Not me. <laughs> Not with that record. How you like them apples? No way. No. <laughs> Sweet berry one. <laughs> so you, you got two options. I know you got you're supposed a, to spin it out, but yeah. no way, Jose. <laughs> you, got a, you got two options. You got either a tie or a loss. And now I throw it back to you to make your prediction first. I'll tell oh. you what I think, but... You can't, you can't go with a win. Okay. Right? Not with that record on the road. I, you can do it. Do it, Mike and Dobbs. That's like playing roulette in Vegas. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to win. No, yeah. you're not. <laughs> so here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. If Yakimaki starts yeah. and Almada starts mm-hmm. and Miles starts, yeah. okay. we get the we get The win? We'll, we'll get the win. <laughs> He's always uh, taking I, these terrible uh, bets. <laughs> so I get to just pick tie or loss, and I'll oh, take no, the bet. The, the, the reason, That's easy. Hold on. Here's I'll where the, here's where the stats are against you. Here's where the stats are they against are? you. Yeah, they are. Why are they against me? George Yakamakis. So he scores like a mofo. He does score like a mofo. But we've had other people score like a mofo. We still lose on the road. That's true too. <laughs> you know, but there is a guy named Joseph Martinez who also scored a lot of goals. Yeah, but I don't know, I know, man. I'm not bringing that out. I don't go there, whatever. But we don't win even with. I I I, I agree like with you. If we're gonna that. win, well, I honestly I kind of agree with Carmen in my heart that it's gonna be a tie. Elliot says two two. I mean, you also saw the starting lineup that we had. There's no momentum with this team. I mean, yes, we had that that yeah. you know awesome four nothing win at home. Right against Colorado. But that was an anomaly. If you look at the trend of this team, it's been not great, right? And the the, the outlier is the four nothing win. So why do you have confidence? Oh, I don't have confidence. <laughs> confidence. Confidence, no. I look, it's the same It's just being contrarian. No, I'm I, well first off I'm contrarian. Okay. And Fine. B, it's it's what I predicted as the the whole problem of this team is yeah. going to be a roller coaster. And I said this in Feb, January or whatever yep. is that I think we've got talent that's going to drag us forward in these moments yep. where the stats say otherwise at home, drag us forward at home. <laughs> that could be the case, but I you, mean, certainly with even, Almada and, and Yakamaki's at home, even, at, ho- even at home, we've proven we can't necessarily do it. Well, when we don't have them, even at home, we lose. Yeah. But when we have those guys at home, that's yeah. a safe, safe bet. Okay. Right? Because his record at home is really good, and those are really good players. Yeah. Um, do you think if those guys are healthy all the time, you figure that it might change our luck a little bit? I'm not thinking that we're going to be like we were last year, two wins on the road all season. Yeah. So there's going to be a win. But Orlando is a better team. If you were going to predict a win on the road, not a good bet. It would have been Chicago. Chicago's last place team. Yeah. Right? They're terrible. Atrocious. Well, Orlando's a much better team. So I I I can't in good conscience call a win. No, are they <laughs> uh, Wait, so what are you calling? Lost or tied? Well, now I don't even have to cuz I can just take the bet. Just taking the bet. Right. Yeah. I'm just taking the opposite. Okay. Got it. Right, I can tell you what I so really I'm, think, but I'm, I'm just taking the opposite. I'm saying if we have the three most talented players, oh, and Sosa has to start. So I got to go. I got. I need four. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, Sosa has to start because Ibarra is in yellow five yellow cards. Okay. So and he always starts with a defensive midfielder. So Sosa started guaranteed. I'll give you that. So Ibarra is not going to start with Sosa he can't because because he has five yellow cards. Oh, so he's, he's suspended. He's for a suspended. Game. Okay. 
So it'll be Hosea. So, and he always plays so with a defensive It'll be Hosea and Sosa yes. in the middle with Almada. Yeah. Yakimaki's is up. So if we have Yakimaki's, Yakim- I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. You would think so. You would think so, right? So, okay. If we have Gigi up front, yeah. Sosa commanding the center, Almada's there, and Miles. Yeah. I think we get the win. I think you'll have all those things. I don't know about Yakimaki's. Could he possibly still only be what? 45 minutes? I mean, how long? Yeah. Time, what, what happened to Lennon in the last game? Is he injured? No. He they, was on the bench. They, they just, just rested, rested, him. Him. rested him. That was a total rest. That was a total rest. Oh. He played every minute or whatever, and they totally rested him. Okay. Not yellow card, not injured, not nothing. Yeah. Just rest. That's why I said I don't get it, because I, I would absolutely give Robinson a rest or Lennon a rest. Well, we, and I would have prioritized Robinson because he had the injury of the Achilles so last we know year. There's, but why rest Lennon also? So we know there's going to be no Araujo in this next game. Yes, he's out. So and who's so, playing the wing? So do you think, I think it's Lennon. And Wiley's not back yet because they're still, he ain't going to be back. Do you think the they're going to play yet. Lennon as, a, as the fullback or they're not going to go with Ronald Hernandez again? Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting that we haven't talked about, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the silly season now that Araujo is gone, right? So um, the more I think about it, the more I think the answer has to be Lennon cannot be our right back. Lennon needs to move up and be a right winger, yeah. which he's really much more akin to, and let either Hernandez or get someone else. And if I'm buying a designated player, right, I'm buying the third midfielder, right? So Abara or Sosa, defensive midfielder, occasionally you can play them both if you want to give Almada a rest or whatever, especially so, so on the road. For but a Sadich and out. Was, and we get a designated too. player yeah. for Sadich or Josetu. We got to upgrade that position. Yeah. That's the one to go for. Totally. Don't go for another winger. We already have a right-footed winger. Yeah. And, and we've solved our right-footed, left-footed problem because now Wiley can play all the time. And Etienne is really two-footed. He can play on either wing. And, I mean, as far as the defender, like, tactics aside, if Ronald Hernandez can be not pinching in, yeah. that guy can do like, – There was a couple moments in that game. Like, he had great defensive moments. Yeah, he needs a run of games to really be. Yeah. To me, if he gets a run of games and gets confident and gets, you know, whatever, he looked a little sketchy against Memphis, but, you know, he hadn't played in like, yeah. you know, however long. I mean, so I, yeah. I don't I don't fault him there. So that's what I think, you know, we got to go for. And so um, in this game, you would think the obvious thing, Araujo is hurt. There's no Wiley, right? So you got to figure Etienne starts on the left. And you got to figure the obvious thing to do is to play Hernandez in front of, of I mean, play uh, Lennon in front of Hernandez and, and get on with what our new, you know, post-Araujo life right, is. We're right. starting our post-Araujo life a little early because he got himself thrown out of the game. All right, dealer's choice. Uh, we can talk about U.S. men's national t- or U.S. soccer. Yeah. Or we can talk about... European football. We got a yellow Labrador in the house. Uh, there's, a, there's a pitch invader. <laughs> pitch invader. A, a podcast pitch invader. I like it. He's a good looking lab. Yeah, he is a um, good looking lab. Do we want to talk about either one of those things or wrap it up? I missed the second one. U.S. and national. What was the other one? Or U.S. soccer. Yeah. Or European football. Ooh. Um, European football is 
not that exciting, man. You know, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of written. There's not a lot of drama. Man City I, wins, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, although, in fairness, in the Bundesliga, you would say you play 38 games and then Bayern Munich wins, and it looks like Dortmund's gonna win. So, oh. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Champions League, does anybody really think? Let me just go through it quick. Does anybody think Manchester City is gonna lose to Inter Milan? No. no. Yeah. Um, the only possible thing that could keep them from winning the treble is Man United in yeah. the FA Cup. And honestly, the only reason why you give Man United a chance is because it's a derby and they freaking hate their guts. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, And they yeah. have all this time to prepare. They're not the better team. Yeah. Right? Man City is by far the better team. But I think Man United wins. What? I'm going to call an upset because Ooh. you have all these times to prepare. Ten Hag or whatever. He's going to have them fired up or whatever. And they... You know, they're defending the 99 treble as the only yeah. English team to have won the treble, a Manchester United team. They got to be fired up. They will be. So yeah. I give them a chance. I right, just so can't gonna, let Holland get free. So, because <laughs> he's really good. Yeah. Man City absolutely dominated yeah. uh, Real in that semifinal. <sighs> Ridiculous. They look like watch Italy 1990 just dribbling around in the other so team's An box. absolute clinic. Yeah. All right. And against Inter Milan, it's going to be another clinic. Yep. I just don't see. So did you see, did you watch the uh, the drama with Real and Valencia, Carmen? No. Oh, so. Oh, you know, the racism. Yeah, it's not I good. Heard, oh, not I did good. hear about that. Yeah, I did hear Benicus about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean. I didn't watch it, but I heard about it's, it. It's pretty awful. So <laughs> the fact that, you know. They're just trying to again brush it with no real action. Yeah, uh, is is pretty bad. Yep. And even the statement that like La Liga made, they almost attacked Vinicius Junior to be like, "Wait, you're not listening to the fact that we're taking all these like red tape steps to try to uh -huh. fix it, yeah. but we're not even doing anything in the moment." Yeah, it, it was. It's pretty awful. Okay. Um. Yeah, I saw Casemiro's statement on it. Yeah. Basically being like, you have to actually do something. All this yeah. talk is not going right. to get you anywhere. I agree. So, yeah, they've got they've got some it's issues with La Liga. It's pretty bad. And once yeah. once players start leaving that league mm -hmm. due to that and mm -hmm. go to other leagues where yeah. nothing's, nothing's perfect in right. other, other yeah. leagues. But yeah, if you're a really black player, though. do you want to play in Italy or do you want to play in Spain? where the Or the EPL, abuse? right? Like, I, I mean, the EPL has had some of this, but they've cracked down very hard. Yeah. yeah, not nearly as bad. Um, you know, this the couple of guys with those horrible comments after England went out of the Euros, right? And it was Rashford and um, yeah. Saka. Uh, and Saka who missed the penalties, right? I mean, they went, they're charging them. But the president of La Liga basically was like, Vinicius Jr., you're not listening to us. You should come to the meetings. Like, how out of touch are you when yeah. you're not like, hey, dude, uh, we hear you. We're, we're, Even if it's true, you can't say it. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and no, it's not yeah, like that's totally. not his problem to solve right, either, no, right? No, so, exactly. He should just be like, worried he's about just playing football. He's just worried about playing soccer, dude. Yep. Like he doesn't need to give yep. a shit about what meetings you're uh, having or anything on it. Yeah, I agree. Unbelievable. All right, and then racism sucks. U.S. men's national team. We have a new sporting director, Dave. Yes. Good, bad, indifferent. If you had to pick one, would you pick somebody different that would only pick a different head yeah, coach? Yeah, it's bad because he only has one job, really. I mean, as you, if you're the sporting director of U.S. soccer, 
I mean, I know he does other things or whatever, but the only thing that anybody's ever going to remember him for or watch or see or picking anything the head like coach. that is picking, well, the, how the U.S., you know, the men's okay. national team or the women's national so team So you does. already think it's a bad pick because you think he's going to pick Jesse he's Marsh. He's going to pick Jesse Marsh. Now, who, now, to be fair, and let's play devil's advocate. So Jesse Marsh has had terrible record in the last two times he's coached and what to me he has proven is that if he is a good coach it is only when he has you know certain players who absolutely fit his system i don't really buy it because i feel like the leeds players really fit his system and he was given license to buy obviously he bought all the americans that was yeah. clearly him right <laughs> like there wasn't like england you know leeds they woke up one day and said let's get three americans right yeah. now um so he got the players who he wanted and he still bombed yeah, but he had right? like one day with weston mckinney didn't he not, uh, a not a lot of time but still. i think he literally had like one match with him yeah. yeah but still um so, but it, the one thing you'll say is if there is a style that matches his football, it's the, it's the pressing, counter-pressing style that's wild and crazy. And it, you know, it suits American players. They're very, well, it suits what we used to be, you know, and I would like to move beyond that. I feel like we're good enough with the players that we have to actually go head-to-head and play real football. Um, so I still think... To me, you appoint a successful coach, period. Yeah. And and um, even, you know, it, there are times in the national team where there's a guy who's not so successful and it works because the national team is a very different beast. Um, the guy who it seems to me so obvious is Caleb Porter. Because Caleb Porter, if anything, is a master of winning tournaments, right? He won MLS Cup twice. He's won the NCAA tournament, right? If anything, he has this thing where he doesn't have to be great in the league and he just knows how to play through those matches and get through. And the World Cup is a tournament, right? Um, And we have a new striker. Yes. Very Somebody exciting. can actually score goals. Like, you our, can definitely score goals. Have you heard this news, Carmen? I did hear the news. Okay. Because this is he's a baby, isn't he? Is like it like 18, yeah. 19 or something? He's like yeah. one of the top European now why, scorers. Now, why, why, why did he choose the U.S.? Why? Well, he, so he's, he was, he's born in New Jersey, but he was born like fake in New Jersey. Like he was like visiting New Jersey. He wasn't like he grew up in New Jersey. Like I think his oh. parents were visiting and literally his mom had the baby in New Jersey. Yeah. Or New York or something. You one in New York, one of these. But he's not really from the United States at all. He's never lived in the United States. He's lived in England his entire life. He's really? originally from Nigeria somewhere, I, somewhere in Africa. I, I forget remember. which but anyway, nation. But I but um, why? Why does he well, pick the U.S.? They he clearly got rubbed the wrong way with yeah, uh, he got, Southgate. He got pissed off by Southgate not picking him, but yeah, because he's you know, that's not a good reason to join the U.S. You're pissed at them. I mean, good for us. Well, but. I think he also realizes right, like he'll be the spotlight. He knows he's a good player. He knows we have a good team. He knows we're he knows, at home. Knows we're at home. Exactly. There's that's a lot important. We're at home. I mean, he's still going to be playing European football where his real career matters, right? But now he's got a chance to have a spotlight as the U.S. star. I think it's a great decision for him. He's not going to be mixed up in a Harry Kane yada yada uh, battle in England. He's going to be the star here, and uh, and he's definitely going to perform, is my opinion. Yeah, I think it's great for us, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like you, you, you grew up there. 
That's where he should play. I didn't know he was like. He oh, that's not country. how. That's not how it works life. at all. I in, know. In but soccer at all now. It's usually because you're not like, good enough and you can't play for that. You so can you just pretend like you were born course, somewhere you now and be like, citizen. I need to be like, that's I just, true. I want to be here. That's right. the rules now. You yeah, can be a nationalized citizen. Yeah. So the, uh, to credit to FIFA, they came up with the right rule. Instead of getting involved in all world politics, they just said, look, yeah. once you play at a senior international, you can't switch because we don't want you showing up one World Cup for Brazil, the next one for England, the third one for the U.S. That's fine. Yeah. So they're like, look, you could do whatever the hell you want. If the country wants to naturalize you, you could do it. Go mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. You can be a play for them. So that's yeah. the rules. As I long as you're a citizen. Estrogen and I get <laughs> enough estrogen in my system. There's no maybe a chance I could get in the Women's World Cup in a couple of years. Too. All right. Now I'm pushing the lines. I, I say, get I'm it. not touching that one. With the Don't gym. touch it. But whatever. <laughs> it's the world we live in, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, okay. Let's not go there. Yeah, not going there. I went there. You went there, Mikey. <laughs> well, but anyway, true. when you have so let's go back. So his his name, whose name? The U.S. new new U.S. International. Oh, Bolligan. Bolligan. Yeah. So, um, and tell him about it. He's he's playing in France, right? Do you know which club is it at again? I do not oh, recall. I'm trying to remember. How do you spell this? Um, I can't remember how to spell it. What is it? I can never get the. I know how to say it, but I know uh, I'm like, <laughs> that's not it. Anyway, um, so he's in France and he's I think the second leading scorer behind Mbappe. Certainly was for a while, um, and he's playing for one of the weaker teams, so <clears throat> he can really score, and he's super young, right? Yeah, Eric, I think you finally called it out. How old is he? Him. To click on the wiki 20, part. Oh, 21. He's older 21. than I thought. That's not old. Not old. But I thought he was like 18 or <laughs> no. something. No. And, and, you know, to be fair, the only thing the U.S. has needed is a striker. Our back yeah. line is pretty good. Maybe could be better. Our midfield is world class. And the only thing we really needed was a guy who can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, yeah. yeah. He's good. Good for him. You know, the one thing that was credit to the U.S., right? So he went on vacation to Florida. They had a break in the French season, and they were given a week or two off. He went on vacation to Florida, and he showed up at the U.S. national team camp. He was obviously negotiating with the U.S. or whatever, mm-hmm. and, you know, just hung around a little bit, you know, to see, meet some people, whatever, and social media in the U.S. went absolutely crazy that maybe he's going to decide to whatever. And yeah. he says that actually that made a difference to him. Yeah. He felt wanted. Okay. So credit to U.S. Yeah. social Good media. Job. Right? Good job. Totally. Okay. So he signed. I mean, it's a phenomenal signing for the U.S. We've absolutely needed a striker. None of our strikers yeah. have lived up to it at all. Now, having just one striker is not enough. He may or may not be the guy, but at least it's another guy yeah. who could really compete. He's a stud. And he's scored a lot of goals in the, in, in the French League. I didn't know he was on loan from Arsenal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he's an Arsenal player. He's on loan to Rennes. Right? Yep. So, um, what else haven't we talked about? We're, we're well, so you haven't weighed in, Jesse Marsh. Yes or no? Uh, a, do you think he's going to be about to be appointed? And B, and this is open to you, Carmen, and to you, Mikey Dobbs. Is A, is Jesse Marsh a new coach? And B, if he is, is, is that a good or bad thing? Carmen, you want to go first? 
Um, I think he will be appointed. I just haven't heard anybody else. Like, like is it's one of these uh, one. You know, I mean, we talked about this right when we were talking about the madness uh-huh. that was the Claudio Reyna right. and Burhalter story, and we went back in the history and said, you know, how Burhalter got appointed. They only interviewed one person, mm-hmm. and we're like, dude. Right. For the U.S. national team coaching job, we have to have a more comprehensive search than that. Yeah. Right. So now we, you know, maybe they're interviewing a lot of people. But again, we've only heard we've one only heard name. One. If he signs, I mean, if I were the U.S. you know, U.S. thing, even if you're going to hire Justy March, I would march some other coach like through the front door where everybody knows like you have to make a show of this. You cannot hire another U.S. international in the incestuous system with all the crap we just went through without doing a search. Okay. That is madness. Do you want my opinion, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) I have an opinion too. Okay. So back to your question that you gave Carmen and I. Yes. I jumped the gun. I think they are going to hire Jesse Marsh. Okay. Just like Atlanta United, should the U.S. men's national team do better? Absolutely. <laughs> Does that coach even need to speak English? No. I just want them to be able to coach a team that has the talent that we have and is going to be a good fit. And to your point, if we can march whoever that two or three people in that are proven they've got a resume of winning and they're open to winning i don't care if it's tata martino or whomever why aren't we interviewing those types of candidates you know who's going to be available soon again crazy who's really good in one knockout games who tuchel thomas tuchel yeah because he came in at the most shambolic Bayern munich appointment ever when they they forced out nagelsman he was in first place still alive in the champions league yeah he speaks english they lost the champions league they're now gonna lose the league you Uh think he's gonna survive the offseason will he live in chicago yeah Yeah. he's german has to live in chicago he doesn't care because they're gonna make everything difficult for the head coach tuchel's gonna be available Uh, and he's good at a knockout game i i tuchel's an interesting coach because i think actually tactically and the way he sets up versus other teams is really good but i think he wears out his welcome because he doesn't know how to coach a system for a team overseas and he'd probably be a really good national team coach totally different yeah because kind of players clearly coach but he keeps blowing it when he gets a chance to actually Mm -hmm. long-term coach the team but like when he came in last minute for chelsea he went and ran the table and won the champions league right Uh so especially you know thomas tuchel if he's got yergi klinsman as a guy who can just call up on the phone and be like hey how's this all work over here i mean he's not fired yet yeah, I mean, he probably has. They have one more game before they lose to Dortmund. Yeah. Dortmund has to lose for them to win the title. If Dortmund wins their champion, uh, he cannot survive that. Especially mm-hmm. you come in. They fired the coach mid-season when they were in first place and they were still alive in the Champions League, clearly moving into the semifinals. Like, what the F, people? <laughs> That's just madness. Yeah. I'm a Nagelsman. I'm like, What? You know, like the way they're the style, the way the team looked or something. I'm like, who the F cares? You're winning. All right. So, Dave, if there's one takeaway that our listeners have from this podcast, and God bless you, the two people are still on the live stream. (laughs) Our fullbacks are being coached to pinch in. Yeah. And we give up less goals when we don't have airplanes going forward. Right. So... There it is. 
And that's, uh, our, that's what we're saying for now. For now, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you're not subscribed, ATL on fire. We can at least analyze some soccer. Thanks for we'll hanging in there. Agree or disagree. <laughs> Hopefully, it gets your brain working. Right. Yeah, that's where we're here. Take care. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.